Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward and sponsored by Scott Insurance Services, as well as Michael Keener, attorney at law. Scott Insurance Services is an independent insurance agency located in West Des Moines, Iowa, servicing central Iowa and all surrounding states. They are family owned and are a locally operated business with over 125 years of experience in the insurance services industry, specializing in personal and commercial insurance. They are a good friend of the pod, a huge supporter of soccer in Iowa, and run by Iowa soccer legend, Billy Scott. Michael Keener, attorney at law. Based in Des Moines, Michael's practice includes trial and litigation matters with an emphasis on commercial litigation, personal injury, criminal defense, and issues in the legislature and Iowa's administrative agencies. Michael is a longtime supporter of Kick It Forward and the work it does in Iowa's soccer community. You can reach him at 515-245-4330 or via email at michaelkeener at griefsydney.com. That's M-K-U-E-H-N-E-R at griefsydney.com, G-R-E-F-E-S-I-D-N-E-Y.com. mkeener at griefsydney.com. Michael Keener, attorney at law. This podcast is now distributed on multiple platforms, including Apple Music and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Hi there. I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend Blake Sievers, and we're here to talk soccer. That's right, Ben. All Iowa soccer, all the time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa soccer supporters. I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend and co-host, Blake Sievers. Blake, what's going on today? Ben, I'm really excited for this uh, upcoming guest we have that we talked to. It was a great conversation and a lot of insight, a lot of, again, a lot of cool stories that not a lot of us can relate to. I, I totally agree. Um, love it when we kind of mix things up. And this is probably somebody that not everybody's been thinking about, you know, because if you think about the last, some of our last legends, you know, you've got Lisa Grief and Sean Holmes and Brian Duax are all coaches. You know, Matt Nickel, well, he maybe snuck in there a little bit. Um, but this is somebody who, um, I, I would say that if you ask certain people, they might argue that this is one of the best, like if not the best overall player to ever come out of the state of Iowa. Um, and, you know, based on age and things like that, like maybe she didn't play for the national team uh, in, in the World Cup, but I don't think there's a lot of people that have done the things that she's done and um, what a player. Uh, and really a great human being as well, right? She is. She's awesome, Ben. She's yeah, so we'll introduce um, that person here shortly, but what we need to talk about before that is just like some housekeeping and some things that we've got going on. Um, big week coming up next week uh, for club soccer, youth club soccer players around Central Iowa. Uh, tryouts are coming up, right, Blake? Absolutely. Um, big tryouts are... The week of June 3rd, right? They are. Yep, Ben. So we've uh, we've done a pretty cool, I think, pretty cool little series. Um, we got a little podcast series that we're going to release next week. We have um, leaders of some of the area clubs that have agreed to come on and 
give their thoughts on their club, on youth soccer in Iowa, youth soccer in Des Moines, promote their club, kind of who they are, what they're doing, and uh, some pretty some pretty interesting tidbits from, from those interviews. Definitely, and I think everybody that we've talked to has been really uh, really open with their their opinions and uh, super happy and willing and generous with their time to just get on and talk with us. So um, keep an eye out next week. We're going to be really, really throwing the content out there. We're going to probably – we're going to have five podcasts next week. I think so, Ben. Good Lord. And well, that's this also the high school I was going to say this so. also coincides with one of our, our other big deals is we got the high school state tournament. Substate finals are – tonight and tomorrow this is may 24th today uh, and that's when this pod will go out so um uh, who, who's playing this weekend blake let's quick talk about that before we get to our iowa soccer legend series yeah so ben do you want to give the um let everybody know where we're gonna go tomorrow night yeah that's a good big... point yeah let's start there so we're gonna we're gonna hit uh the the big lincoln ankeny hawks uh sub-state final Lincoln has never made it to the state tournament, uh, and our own Joseph Thonrath is a rail splitter alumni himself. So as much as uh, we've supported the Ankeny Hawks this year, I think I'm personally going to have just like like a, maybe like 51% of me is going to be pushing to see uh, Lincoln just because I would love to see some of those players and the alumni and the uh, really you know kind of benefit from that. But uh, at the same time, that Ankeny Hawks team was pretty good when we saw them play. Um, so we're going to be checking that one out. So you can, you can follow us on social media to check that. We're going to be on uh, Twitter. We're at kick underscore forward. And then on Facebook, we're at kick it forward IA. Um, but definitely tune in tomorrow night to the old Twitter. Uh, and you'll get to see Blake Sievers do his weather report and all that fun stuff. Which it could be interesting weather report. Ben. It could. This might be, we might have Blake out there with an umbrella, um, maybe in a little poncho. It should be good. Or maybe we'll just get to see a sopping wet Blake Sievers, which would be very enjoyable as well. All right. Well, uh, who man, else let's is get, So, uh, you know, some of the bigger local schools, you know, we can go through. There's 24 sub-states between the three classes. I don't know if yep. everybody really wants to hear all four. Or well, we've been, we've been really lists. focused on 3A. So let's talk about 3A, and then why don't you just throw in some of the other locals that are, uh, you know, making a big splash. Absolutely, Ben. So we have Waukee Hoover. Is that tonight? Um, that's Friday night tonight, 630 you know, that's at Waukee, the big defending state champions. Yeah, uh, and Hoover just got ranked this week. So they, they snuck in as, like, the 15th-ranked team in the state, and they're taking on top-ranked Waukee. Waukee. Yep, Ben, another game is the big Jayhawk-Valley Tiger matchup, kind of a rematch, I believe, from earlier in the year. That's at noon on Saturday, and that's at Urbandale. Yeah, and that's a big one, too, uh, because uh, Urbandale handed Valley one of their losses this year big win for Urbandale so it'll be interesting to see how you know if, if the Tigers sort of have a little uh little edge on and they want to come back and fight that one or if uh if the Jayhawks are going to take it twice in a row I know personally uh having lost in the sub-state final to the Urbandale Jayhawks before as a Tiger I would really prefer to see the Tigers win no offense Jimmy Frizzell uh, so been another one you know big upset the Southeast Polk Rams Hito Tiza kind of led his team in double overtime against one of our Iowa soccer legends yeah Brian, Brian Duax you know they play Marshalltown and that's uh due to the upset that is now at Southeast Polk on Saturday at noon and Marshalltown is uh I think they've only lost is it twice once or twice all year um I, th- I think they lost to Waukee 1-0 and then they they picked up another loss earlier in the year um, but they they've uh, they've been a team I think a team to watch that we haven't seen yet and I'm really excited to see them play 
hopefully the state tournament, I guess, but I guess we'll have to see if they make it past the Rams. Um, they've got a young man named Jose Torres. It's one of the lead, uh, leading scorers in the state right now. So that'll be interesting. What other local teams are we playing Great, this Great, Ben. So we talked about the game we're going to, right? Yep. And then, so one of the questions is, is Harlan, you know, I think they're west of us. Are they local? If they so. are, you know, that's just a nice little drive down I-80. And, and then I, I'm not 100%. You go north or south off I-80. <laughs> But uh, I do know they're west of us. You know they play uh, Lewis Central, and that's that's in a two A a two A matchup. But then you really want to get local. You know head over to DCG Dallas Center Grimes over there in Grimes. Um, DCG plays ADM Adel DeSoto Minburn um, in a big big game there. That's Saturday at noon as well. Um, and then you know we uh, we covered quite a few of the Pella games last year at the state tournament actually every single one yeah you know on the stadium field they were I think they were the number one seed yep uh, you know they're back trying to get to trying to get to county again they're playing in my opinion one of their rivals in Knoxville definitely you know, two, Apple Street. Uh, yep two or highway one of the two 163 um, yep they're playing um, as well against each other and then, you know, going back to the Southeast Polk, uh, the east side of the county, you got Bondurant Farrar uh, playing Gilbert. So um, nope. they're heading up north to play, uh, to play Gilbert noon on, uh, on Saturday as well. So there's quite a bit of... A lot of soccer action this week. I mean, that's, we love it, though, don't we, Ben? We do. There's so much more things to soccer talk about. Uh, you know, I almost forgot what we were here for now that we got so excited about the high school state tournament, but then I just remember we've got our Iowa Legends interview series coming up. Um, let's introduce um, Nikki Zelenovich, uh, formerly known as Nikki Thaden, which uh, took me how many takes to get correct? We, uh, we did. We took, took quite a few takes and kind of, um, if you don't mind me interrupting you, Ben, get back to that. If you would, is that all right? If I can just throw sure. one oh, more. Oh, you've got one more? Oh, yeah, one more local battle. Oh, sorry, Nikki um, Zelenovich. We're just going to postpone you for a second. Yeah, so Nevada, North Polk. Ooh. Um, at North Polk. That's a big know, one, too. Over there is off of Highway 44, I believe. Look at you with your geography. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Blake Sievers is not only our uh, resident meteorologist, but he's our, uh, our uh, cartographer as well. Um, all right, well, let's get to it. Uh, Nikki, and welcome. Yeah, Nikki. Is, Nikki, good, is it Zelenovich? Uh, yeah, all right, we're here with Nikki Zelenovich, formerly known uh, in the soccer world as Nikki Thaden. Nikki, how you doing? Good. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You a bit nervous, Nikki? Ever been on a pod before? Never, never been on a pod. Never heard of a pod. Oh, <laughs> You've never even listened to a podcast I'm before. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What what podcast do you listen I, to? TED Talks. It's mm, interesting. A learner. Uh, so uh, we're here to just kind of chat a little bit about your origin story, kind of hear a little bit about your experiences in soccer. We've had some pretty cool Iowa soccer legends on the pod that have uh, told us some good stories. So uh, hopefully, I, I know one story that I'm going to bring up that uh, your brother told me that I think will be a good one that you can share. But uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you come from and all that fun stuff. Sure. So I, let's see. Soccer-wise, I grew up, uh, I started playing soccer in Pennsylvania. So we lived in uh, Chad's Ford outside of Philadelphia. My older brother, Chris, was playing soccer, so I wanted to play. Started playing on a boys' team um, at a very early age. And then um, after a few years on that boys' team, we then moved to Iowa and then grew up um, playing here in Iowa for the West Des Moines Soccer Club. 
Um, I felt like playing for that boys team helped me immediately, um, physically and style of play. Uh, I was, you know, faster typically than most of the girls at a young age. Um, so played on this West Des Moines soccer club for the next 10 years, I want to say. Um, never played high school soccer. So at that time... You never? No. So at that time, the club team was more important and high school women's soccer wasn't that good. If you wanted to be recruited, you played club. So um, we had quite a few girls from around the state of Iowa that would then play for our West Des Moines team because we were all about getting recruited. So we traveled a lot. Give us some names, Nikki. Uh, On the team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we played... Our team had Jessie Swaim. She came from Ames. Uh, she played at, I believe, University of South Carolina. Uh, Kate Walker and Maggie Malm, both, both were Roosevelt girls that played on West Des Moines. They both played collegiate soccer. Uh, Maggie played at University of Missouri. Um, quite a few girls from Dowling, um, Abby Shildroff, Emily Nessler. Um, they all played at University of Iowa. Kendra Paul um, also played. Maya Pratt played at Chicago. So I think we had I think we had about eight or nine girls from our West Des Moines club team that ended up playing Division One college soccer. That's awesome. So a lot of state titles in in your day. Yeah. So there. we uh, we won ten state cup championships in a row, which is the most um, I think ever because now they don't even do ten. So oh yeah, good point yeah. So, they don't start till U thirteen. Yes. And that was back when you would go to regionals, and you guys actually had some decent success at regionals, didn't you? We did. We were close to winning it a couple years, and then uh, never could quite get over that. I think I think we were we were really close, and and especially our last year, uh, we felt like we were going to win it, but but. Never, never did. Who were some of the uh, the coaches of the uh, the Odyssey Dynasty? Um, started with Nelson Fajilio Bonsai. Uh, I remember him. <laughs> yes, Brazilian, wonderful coach. Uh, he he was fantastic. Um, after him, we had Casey Mann for quite a while, who played um, soccer here in Iowa for the Menace. Yeah, he's a Grandview guy. Grandview. And then he ended up being an assistant coach at University of Arizona Women's Soccer. And now I believe he runs a club in yeah. Omaha. Is he, I think that he, at one point he was a Nebraska like director, director of coaching for the state. Yep. I think he still is maybe. Casey, uh, we know you and Tanya listen, so let <laughs> us know. Slide into our DMs, let us know what you're up to now. Absolutely. Yeah. So he was a great coach. And then when he left, we had... Um, uh, Victor Valderrama, another Brazilian, fantastic coach. Um, but I will say throughout those 10 years, um, we did have the same assistant coach, Dennis Tatman, yeah. who is fantastic and wonderful. Yeah, he's over at the Dowling Soccer Club and yes. coaches with the Dowling Girls Program mm -hmm. with John Pearson, mm -hmm. who coached the boys team opposite you guys, right? Correct. Very good. And so not to, to date you too much, or, but it would date us as well, um, you're in, in 1984 birth year, which yeah. is a great transition into ODP because you were one of these uh, people who had a really cool ODP experience growing up. And uh, I mean, gosh, you traveled all over the place and played. I mean, that really got you where you went, right? Yeah, I, I credit a lot of, I guess, playing at the next level to the ODP team. We, at the time, um, had a very involved 1984 ODP team. Our coach was Cor Corbin Stone. Who was the Drake. Um, women's coach at the time yes um and he was really good about making sure that we were playing at different um events we went to norway and played in the norway cup we actually won the norway cup with him um so our team was really good we did win um 
regionals with our ODP team. Nice. So we were the, I, I believe we were the first team in Iowa to ever win regionals. I remember that, actually. Yes. Because we that were, was back in the day when, I mean, that was like all a, the other states, all the best deal. players were playing yeah, yes. in ODP. And, right. So, like, so talk about some of the other uh, girls you would have played against then. I mean, because... I mean, that, those, are, those would have been, I mean, there's probably people that were, like, playing for the national team eventually. Yeah, absolutely. So we, so at the regional tournament, um, I just remember people always giving Iowa a hard time, thinking that we weren't, we were, you know, going to be easy. And we, we dealt st- with that, too. Yeah. Although we were probably a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were not the best team. So we surprised everybody that tournament. Um, I don't know if we thought we were going to win or, or what, I mean, we knew we were good, but... But to win regionals was, I think, surprised everybody. Um, so we played against quite a few girls. Lori Kolepny played from, uh, she was on the Missouri team, but she played for the national team for many, many years. Um, but the interesting thing about that regional tournament, it was in DeKalb. Uh, we won the tournament, uh, and then we were scheduled to play at nationals. But every year, in, or through the regional tournament, you then have your regional team. Um, we were the only team that had won regionals that ne- that didn't have anybody that made the regional team. You didn't make it that year? No, I was an alternate. Mm-hmm. So I think that at that time it was still getting past. Um, they were surprised that we, you know, again, won the tournament. Um, Michigan got a lot of girls on the team. Whatnot. Well, so this is back in the day, like, people who don't understand how, like, this regionals works. It's like you go with your state team, so it's all your best players in the state. Yep. And you go, you stay in the dorms in whatever, you know, kind of, like, third-rate Illinois town or wherever you're at, mm-hmm. um, DeKalb, Southeast Illinois, somewhere like that. And you play your game on in the evening, and then the next morning you wake up early before you go to breakfast, and you like rush out there to see who made the team. They have a list, like yep. printed off, and it you know it would say like Thaden, Iowa, but it never said Thaden, Iowa, because it was always it was like, you know, the kids from Michigan, Illinois, Illinois Missouri. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you know, like so we it would be Iowa gets a bad rap, Minnesota yes. gets a bad rap, South Dakota Nebraska gets a bad rap, like, yep. yeah, and so. Uh, I mean, we dealt with that sometimes too, where we'd like we'd have some success, and then no, nobody gets on the regional team, right? Or then they pick like uh, like the best athlete, right? So like that yeah, was back when like Adam Williams player. is like the best player in the state of Iowa, and it's because he's like a man at age fourteen. Sorry, Adam, if you're listening, <laughs> he'll probably whoop me. <laughs> like I'll I'll get a get one swift one upside the head if I see him out. But you know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that must have been frustrating. That would have been at age, what age? Like you know, were you guys like fifteen? I think so. I think it was, yeah, I think we were around 15 years old. Um, I did end up making the regional team, I think, the following year. So I, so I think uh, myself and Bailey Walkup uh, were the two from Iowa that ended up making the regional team. And, again, I think this was one of the first times, uh, I mean, this, again, dates me a little bit, but first time that a woman from Iowa has made the regional team. So to kind of talk about that, Nikki, how, you know, you ended up with the national team. Are we jumping ahead too far to kind of talk about the process of going from the regional team into the maybe the national pool and then getting on? Was that the U twenty one national team? Yeah, that came a little bit later. So that actually came as a result of my freshman year in college. Um, so through playing club soccer here at West Des Moines and my ODP team, I was you know lucky enough to be recruited by many schools. Um, I think the five final schools I'd picked were a Texas A&M, University of Texas, University of Florida, Portland, Penn State, 
Um, I was kind of looking all around, nowhere in the Midwest, but those are um, all like top ten programs. Yeah, and at, at the time, the time for yeah, sure. at the time Texas was number three in the nation. We also had the number one recruiting class in the country, so that was my pick. Um, we had all of our freshman girls, including myself. I was a McDonald's High School All American, even though I'd never played high school soccer. <laughs> so we, uh, we Ronald all, got that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had a really good incoming class. Um, so fast forward, we had a, I had a really good freshman year. I started and played every every game. Ended up making the Big Twelve freshman team, and then as a result of that, was recruited to play on the under twenty one national team. Talk about that. What was that like? I mean, I, that must be like a little crazy to step in. You know, going from I mean, obviously from where you were, and then Texas was probably a big deal. But the next thing you know, you're you know one of the best players in the country and getting called in to you know compete for your country. Yeah, that was a, a lot of pressure, a lot, I mean, a little overwhelming at times, um, just because I felt like it was a big transition to go from, you know, being a high school student to you're living at home, and then you're all of a sudden at Texas living in the dorms, and then all of a sudden now you're, you know, going every two weeks, you're going out to California to the Home Depot Center and, and staying for periods of time to train, um, and then competing. Uh, they would bring, you know, a bunch of girls in to essentially try to make this team. So just because you got called in does not mean you're on the team. So I think, you know, through a course of three or four different camps that were a week long, um, I ended up making the team, um, which was fantastic. I think I was the youngest player on the under-21 national team at the time. Um, some of the girls that were on my team, um, Carly Lloyd is probably That's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah, so her and I were, would pl- play in the center mid together, so competing against her on a daily basis was a little so wait, overwhelming. Who, so who's Carly Lloyd again? Yeah. <laughs> a little different career. If you've been hiding under a rock and you yeah. don't know a lot about the women's game, Carly Lloyd was the world player of the year. How recently, like in the last couple of years? Yeah. And you know, like basically like led the women's national team to the World Cup final and championship last time through and probably will again. Right, right. And we would often so close. scrimmage the the women's national team. So we on a frequent basis I was scrimming scrimmaging against Mia Ham, Abby Wambach, you know, um I'm trying to think. Brandy Chastain. Um so it was a different experience. We would actually go over to Mia Ham's house and have pasta with her in the evening. So it was it was a neat experience, but it was like overwhelming at the time, you know. Was Nomar around then? <laughs> I think he was. He wasn't. He wasn't home, but he, they were definitely together. together. That's wild. <laughs> Hanging out in Hollywood. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. So then, uh, well, so then tell us. So how does it go from there? So played for a year on that team. We ended up traveling. I had to take some my classes at Texas. I had to take a, a limited amount of classes because we were traveling so much for the under 21 national team we went to uh, Brazil for two weeks and we went to China for a couple weeks and then we went to Iceland so we ended up winning like the under 21 World Cup uh, tournament Uh, it was a great experience Um, (laughs) I wouldn't say I got a whole lot of playing time like I said Carly Lloyd was was playing center mid and that was the position that I would I don't play any other position besides center mid. <laughs> Ooh, wow. That is true on the, even on the co ed team. On the co ed team she refuses to play anywhere else. Occasionally you'll go up top. It's not because I like it's because I just don't know how to play any other position. Like oh. I that's that's been my position. So um anyway, it was a really good experience. Um I it, it was uh I think I think what and I can explain kind of where my soccer career took a different path 
based on some conversations I had. But our Under-21 national team coach was a guy named Chris Petricelli, who happened to be my head coach at University of Texas as well. Interesting guy. I wouldn't say he was my um, favorite style of coach. Um, but anyway, I remember him talking to me one time about you know about my game and and saying hey you know I don't I don't think I don't think you can cut it I don't think that you're going to make it to the next level and here I am you know I just had a fantastic season as a freshman I was on the under 21 national team I thought my career was just on its way up from there and he kind of I don't you know I don't know what his intent was I don't know if it was kind of to break me down a little bit but it, it got to me a little bit as well as the traveling and being away from home and just you know, it, it was a little too much. I felt like I went through a big burnout um, and needed to kind of step back from that. So my sophomore year at Texas, um, it was good, but our team kind of struggled a little bit. And I felt like I was going through a pretty significant burnout where I just needed to step away from the game. I wasn't as passionate anymore. I wasn't having fun. Um, and I don't really know what caused that burnout, but it, it had happened. Uh, but interesting enough, um, a few years later, or a few years ago, I was listening to Carly Lloyd talking about, you know, I was listening, she was doing a television interview. I was going to say, I figured she was on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was on it. She was promoting her book, and she was talking about her soccer experience. And the funny thing is, she was told the same thing by the same coach. The same coach had told her, I don't think you're going to be able to make it. I don't think you'll be able to cut it. And that actually inspired her and motivated her to kind of take it to the next level. And I always think back on that because I don't know if I was, I wasn't, you know, mentally ready for that or wasn't able to get past that. But that kind of negatively impacted me, whereas I feel like she really took that and ran with it and it motivated her. So that's just something I always think about when I look back on my soccer career. It's interesting. interesting. It is. Yeah. I mean, I just think that different coaches, um, you know, they have their styles. And I think as a player, you attract to different coaches based on that. And for some reason, maybe it was because I just psychologically, I wasn't strong enough at the time. But it, it, it I thought, I kind of believed him. I kind of believed that what he was saying was true. Um, and I think that was kind of the start of me. Uh, kind of going through this burnout it, it is weird and I, like I would guess you've probably experienced this in the, the amount of years that you've been playing the game or you know when we all played the game at that level um some coaches do just like they, I don't want to call them mind games because yeah. it's a little harsh but I, I don't know I mean coach Noonan if you're out there listening I mean you know f for sure you play some mind games like that was my coach in college and we talk about it all the time like man he'd say, he'd say stuff or do stuff to you that you're like what did, why did he do that? Like, yep. did, you, did you really not think I'm any good? Does he not like me? Or whatever it is. And you're like, I don't know. It's one of the hardest things, I think, as a player. And dealing with your coaching, uh, the coach that you're dealing with, is just, just very, like, yeah. you're always, you always want to please them. You always want to get on the field. And at a certain point, like. And you're kind of at a vulnerable, vulnerable age, too. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. With all the, in the college life, the social aspect of it is. Yeah kind of definitely plays a part in that as well yeah. I, yeah I agree with that and that's why I'm so fascinated by like sports psychology and and you know I think a lot of sports it's it's obviously physically but mentally is is so important um so you've got to you've got to be prepared um you know for what a coach may do um whether that's bench you or you know test you or throughout the season um I, I think if you're able to overcome those challenges then you're going to be better off for sure, it, but and then what I would say too that's interesting that you probably were dealing with earlier than it, most players deal with this is you realize that it's so like when you go to college, and Blake, back me up on this if you want. Like 
the, the coach and the, the program becomes about the team. And so, like, mm-hmm. very rarely do you have, like, such a superstar in college that you're, like, you know, that you've got, you can have somebody that, like, doesn't defend or whatever. It's, like, you know, it's all about being together and it's all about working for the team and all about the culture of the team, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so, but then at the same time, you're trying to individually further your career. Right. And you've got a coach who's telling you something, like, and you're going to compete every day right. in a different way where it's individual. Like, when you go to national team camp, there's probably some, like, culture bring them together but at the same time it's probably like i'm fighting for my spot every single day so like i don't really care what you think well you don't have the same relationship with the girl (coughs) that you're living dormant with for the week do you because she's going to school somewhere different and the dynamics of that relationship play into it as well don't they it is i mean i mean i think that that's so true i mean if you think about like your club team here that was so cozy and comfortable we were all best friends you played for them for 10 years now you're off to college and Again, you want to win as a team, but at the same time, I'm competing for a spot on that field. So um, I remember I remember taking a, the center mid position from a senior on the team, and that was really heartbreaking for her. Um, so you're going through those challenges. And then on the national team is a totally different experience. You're going against girls that you're competing against in college, but it is super cutthroat because you know some of these girls aren't going to be invited back to the next camp. Right. Um, and they're essentially pro. I mean, you're pros at that level, especially the way that the women's national team was at that point in time. Like, Mia Ham didn't play for some professional club like she played for the national team mm-hmm. full-time basically right exactly. so you're playing you're playing in a professional environment for all intents and purposes that age you were mm-hmm. and that must have been a real I don't know I know when I like there was like a brief period where I was like trying to keep playing and that I like couldn't deal with that mm-hmm. that, that, that really bummed me out I was like oh gosh you guys don't want to be teammates like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I just had not I had not experienced that before and I think you know like I said I wasn't mentally prepared for that um it, it it got to be a little overwhelming the pressure was pretty intense and it just kind of as a result I think I had kind of like I said gone through a burnout and kind of lost lost the love of the game uh it seems to be taking a different direction than what I had loved about the sport so how do you I mean next step obviously you end up back here as a hometown hero <laughs> no that. not quite <laughs> I uh so after that I you know wanted to step away from the game I like I said, had not experienced a burnout before, but I truly believe that there was a burnout that I was going through. And my coach actually at Texas had sent me to a sports psychologist to kind of see if there was a way to, to keep me at Texas because um, he, he really wanted me to stay and continue uh, out, continue to play my college career at not Texas. Not for the national team. <laughs> for Texas, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he, um, yeah. So then I decided to come back home, take a break. I was going to come back just, just for a semester and then kind of think about my decision um, decided I didn't want to go back uh, to Texas, um, which was which was difficult, but uh, I felt like it was the right move for me. And then, you know, wanted to finish out school uh, somewhere, so decided that I was going to go to Drake just to finish out my college degree and wasn't really considering soccer, actually, at the time. But my ODP coach, Corbin Stone, who I loved so much, uh, was the head coach there and kind of convinced me that to play. And it was a different, totally different soccer experience, I would say. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't mentally, you know, as passionate. I didn't give it 100% like I had my whole entire career. But I was more interested about, you know, making friends and being part of a team and getting out there and playing and trying to enjoy the game a little bit. Um, Not sure I ever fully recovered from the burnout that I had gone through, but I really did enjoy my experience at Drake and being part of a team again. And I would 
Well, I would ask you, did you find your love for the game again, or do you still, what's, what, how, where are you at with the game? You know, like, I would say n- no. I don't think, um, and, and it's really tough to explain, but I feel like if anybody's ever gone through a burnout and you've read about what a burnout actually goes through uh, or, or going through that experience, I don't think I'll ever recover from that, or I never actually got that back. Um, I, sometimes I look back and I'm like, I, I wonder, I don't even recognize the girl that I once was. I was so committed to the game and I was so passionate and I would do anything and I was so aggressive. Um, and these days, I, I, and even at Drake, I kind of lost that competitiveness. Uh, and I would say that I... As well, I but so that's not, my, but that's not my question. I'm not asking if you're like as competitive because right. I, I don't know... Uh, Blake will surprise. I was going to say, like, I'm not certainly not competitive. I know I'm seeing myself up for Blake to come in my <laughs> racquetball game. So weekly, every pod we talk about it, Dad. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, as competitive as you are, Blake, like, you've, you're probably not, like, nearly as competitive as you used to be. Or, I agree, like, right? You, you mature a little right. bit. You kind of look at the big picture now. And you have to, you right? have to take what? the edge off to live day-to-day life, don't you? Right. I think so. I, I mean, cause, yeah, I think, I think so, too. And so... So my question isn't, do you have that edge anymore? Because I hope not. That'd be weird if you did. <laughs> um, but do you still, I mean, because like, I think, like, you know, uh, we go play on the same co-ed team together. And I think when we go out and play, like, I, I always look forward to those games. And you, see, you seem like you're really enjoying yourself. I, I do enjoy myself to an extent. It's just hard as you get older that your body and your mind aren't, don't work yeah. like you know that they used to. And sometimes I find myself thinking... Like, man, I know I used to be really good, but but what happened? Like, this is bad. Yeah, well, we all yeah. <laughs> you have, have realistic expectations. They yeah. change as yeah. you get older. Yeah, that's true. Well, so I think even, like, Blake, like, who you would, you probably, like, like, you love going to play when you get your chance. Like, I, you can always tell you're enjoying yourself and having fun. Yeah, I mean, if you're not having fun, like, that's, I mean, you, get, you play with some of those people that take still, or maybe a little younger, yeah. maybe had a different path, but still take it a little, quote, in my eyes, too seriously. And right. it's like... Sometimes when you do, when you pass a ball the wrong way or somebody miss a pass or something like that, you just have to laugh and just because it's like, yeah. do I get super frustrated and upset with myself? Or, hey, I'm 35, I'm <laughs> playing in Altoona, Iowa. This is good. Soccer, pick up soccer. This is good. Blake's already, he's already calling himself 35. He hasn't even turned 35 yet. I love it. Uh, uh, well, so, so then maybe let's just uh, not, not really wrap it up, but kind of get towards the end, you know, so... So you, you finished playing college soccer. Um, graduate. She did graduate. I that's did. good. Um, Get that in there, man. That's right. <laughs> Over, overlook that. Peggy and Dan will want to hear <laughs> yeah. that for sure. Um, but then, so then you, uh, you moved away from uh, the state for a while. Yes. Um, talk about kind of your career there, because I think that's a really a neat little uh, uh, thing about you and what you've done over the years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I always, you know, was passionate about, soccer I think and and just sports in general um so when I moved um I ended up in Denver for about seven or eight years and was lucky enough to find a job that uh incorporated sports as well as uh, assisting people with disabilities so for six years I worked um for a nonprofit called the National Sports Center for the Disabled um typically I worked in fundraising so grant writing then I was a development director but this nonprofit was had been around since 1970, and, and it started as offering ski and snowboarding lessons to people with disabilities. So it had evolved into offering a variety of different sports uh, for people with physical and mental disabilities. So through that, I was able to start um, a soccer program there that helped boys with physical disabilities um, you know, have a team to play on. 
So we created a, a team. Uh, we didn't actually, we weren't able to play against any other teams that had, you know, kids with disabilities, but we played against teams with able-bodied kids. Um, and our team, you know, ended up being pretty good. And we ended up actually beating some of the, the able-bodied teams. We ended up going to Kansas City and having different camps, uh, Paralympic training camps. So um, some of the boys on the team ended up making the, the U.S. Paralympic national team. So uh, it was just a great experience that I was able to, to kind of combine two of my passions with soccer and helping people with disabilities. Super cool. Uh, we've been, just before we uh, started on the pod, we were kind of chirping you to, to try and do something similar mm-hmm. uh, here in town and maybe partner up with us. So we'll, uh, you know, stay tuned, everyone. Nikki Thins, or sorry, yeah. Nikki Zelenovich. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get more involved because I moved back to Des Moines about three years ago and, and the soccer, I'd say, landscape here has evolved and changed quite a bit, but anxious to, I guess, give back to the community. And now that you, I mean, to get personal a little bit, I mean, now you have a little rug rat running yes. around, so. Yes. Um, Future soccer player, hopefully. Things, yeah. yeah, so we'll, we'll have to talk to Mr. Zalonovich. I, yeah. I hear he's been having throwing things and yeah. hitting things as opposed to kicking them. Yeah, it's difficult when my husband played college baseball and I'm a college soccer player, so with a one-year-old, we're trying to figure out what he's, if he's good with his hands or good with his feet. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're excited to have you uh, getting uh, a little bit more involved in the game and uh, you know, of course, uh, dominating on the co-ed uh, soccer field as well. Um, hopefully we'll be able to get Blake out eventually, right? Yeah, we'd love to. We need, we need somebody in the back. <laughs> we, oh, hopefully shot it, shot it, whoever plays there. I was going to say, Park is not going to be Park, happy right? if he yeah, listens to that. Uh, all right, well, Nikki, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure Blake would uh, echo those sentiments. Echo. Echo, echo. Yes, echo. that's awesome, Nikki. The Thank latest, uh, latest Iowa soccer legend. I love it. Thanks. Thank you. I'm pretty sure I always say this after interviews, Blake, but that was a great interview. Uh, Nikki was super uh, gracious with her time, as we say, but uh, I thought it was really cool. She she kind of opened up and told us a little bit about her story. Um, Maybe not like all the, a lot of the really cool stuff, but then also kind of how you transition out of that. And I know that that's something that, uh, I mean, it hits home for me. I don't know about you, but I thought that was cool. It does, you know, soccer, you know, we all talk about the great times and all the neat, cool stories, but like there's, at the end of the day, there's some realities that everybody faces in, you know, um, as they grow and evolve into an adult. And it was really cool, really interesting, I thought, hearing some of those stories kind of firsthand from her and how she dealt with it. And, you know, I would say kind of use that to um, use that as a positive. Yeah, it's super interesting as well when you consider, um, and you know, as we as we evolve through our our Legends interview series, we'll uh, we'll probably get a little bit more outside of our our network. But uh, somebody like uh, Nikki Faden still finds joy in playing the game today, and it you know, keeps her active. And um, you know, I know she uh, you know she follows the game, and I, I think that's kind of how we all feel about it as well. Is it's after you get through that transition, you figure out how you're gonna move on from being like an ultra competitive psycho soccer player all the time. Uh, once you figure that out, uh, the game still has a lot to offer you. So uh, super cool that she was able to come on. Um, 
and uh, thanks again, Nikki. We really appreciate it. We'll, we'll probably have her back in the mix at some point, as we seem to have. Whenever we have a good interview, we're like, wow, get them back, right? Yeah, I think when, when we have everybody back, we're gonna have like a room. For we should have like people. a reunion show, just like <laughs> all the legends come together. Um, well, and, and speaking of legends, we may have a, uh, a Sean Holmes sighting coming up next week. So if you're looking for uh, some hot takes, um, not only do we have the substate or sorry, the state uh, tournament preview coming next week. Uh, we've got the, the tryouts, uh, tryout series where we're going to be talking about all the different teams. And then we may have a little Sean Holmes signing as well. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, none of it would be possible, of course, without our sponsors, would it, Blake? It would, you know, uh, we keep talking about one of them, Billy Scott, that we have not had on yet. But Billy Scott over at Scott Insurance Services, any insurance need you have, uh, give him a call. It's kind of funny. Um, you know, we haven't really released a lot of details about our kick it forward bus, Ben. Uh, oh, but I was specifically, t- I picked up the phone. I called Scott Insurance Services today and I kid you not, he answered the phone himself and we got through a few things. So, um, talk about customer service and willing to help out with whatever you guys need. So he's a huge supporter of the show. And again, you wouldn't be possible without him. And who's the other one, Ben? Oh, Michael Keener, attorney at law. Michael is, uh. I mean, I could probably list off all the things that he uh, he practices in, but I, I won't do that. Uh, instead, I'm just going to tell you that uh, Michael Keener is a stud. He'll take care of you if you need him. And if you want his email address, it's mkeener at griefcity.com. I'll even spell it for you. M-K-U-E-H-N-E-R at G-R-E-F-E-S-Y-D-N-E-Y.com. Ooh, did I misspell it? You I did def- Sydney, S-I-D. I said S-Y-D. Oh, it's definitely S-Y-D. We're going to have a, com- a competition about this offline. Um, but in the meantime, uh, check us out on social media, at kick underscore forward. Uh, oh, did I spell it wrong? I did. Hmm. God dang it. Blake caught me, guys. Sorry, Michael Keener. Um, now I've lost my train of thought. Uh, kick underscore forward or on Facebook at kick it forward ia beautiful blake if i weren't for you i don't know where i'd be uh let's uh let's thank everybody again and we'll see you guys a bunch next week uh thanks for joining us Mm